You know, um, good morning. Welcome. Thank you for being part of today. I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to have you guys here. Um, some people, you know, they'll, they'll talk about youth and, you know, say, well, they're the next generation, you know, the next generation of people that are ministering. They're not the next generation. They're this generation, too. So, Grayson, great job wherever you are. So, she did a terrific job. And so, it's going to be great to see what our youth um, do and, and, and as they're doing things. So, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Hey, again, welcome. Thank you for being part of Marist Church. If you're here for the very first time, a special welcome. If you're coming back after absence, that's so wonderful. We are glad to have you here. We're just a bunch of coastside people and peninsula people that uh, come here and want to be part of what God is doing um, in this world and um, on this coast and to serve people and to serve Christ. And so I'm really, really glad um, that you're here and part of today. Um, one of the things that we do is um, we, um, um, I mean, we love the enjoyment of worship here. We do not want to take that for granted, knowing that there are millions around the world that can't do what we're doing here freely. And so we as a church family... Have, have made it a point to say we want to stand and be in solidarity with the persecuted church around the world. And again and again, as um, they are asked, what's the best thing that we can do, that the free church can do for them? And the answer is always prayer, prayer. And so um, we've had a team that they pray regularly. They were praying um, between services. And what we will do in just a few moments is we're going to um, pray for the persecuted church, one particular area, and we want to take an area each month and focus on that. Um, we would like to um, just talk a moment about North Korea um, and what's happening there. It is probably one of the highest um, places or highest, most persecuted place for Christians um, in the world right now. Um, if uh, Christians are discovered, they're either deported to labor camps um, as political prisoners, or they're killed on the spot. I mean, you just you just can't you just can't practice your faith at all. And 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 the problem with that is their families have to share in their same fate. So so if your son becomes a believer, a Christian, and is worshiping, they'll 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 arrest the parents, the family as well. Um, they have no no space in society, none. There's no margin for them whatsoever, and and they're publicly warned against meeting together whatsoever. And um, to worship together is almost impossible, so they have to do it hidden. And if they dare to, it has to be done in secrecy. The picture in the middle is um, was smuggled out. Um, those are believers in North Korea that are um, probably in someone's backyard or someone's yard or a walled compound, and they're gathering together um, to do that. And so I can't imagine that. Um, um, I, I, um, and what they've asked for is prayer. And so we will pray. And so let's take a moment now and pray. Your prayers are both as strong as mine, as powerful as mine. So pray for the brothers and sisters now in North Korea. Um, pray um, specifically that the government would uh, be confused in their ability to try and round them up or persecute them, that they would be somewhat oblivious and ignorant of where the believers meet so that Jesus' church can grow. Pray for the leaders, those that have courage 
to gather groups together. Pray they would be protected. The groups would be protected. Lord, please protect them. Holy Spirit, you work no matter where. You can work in persecuted places, work in this way. Somehow may this very bad thing work out for the good of the gospel. Message of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for them and their strength. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thanks, you guys, so much. But after talking about that, it's uh, kind of hard to say, hey, look at the sign behind me. It says hope. Let's all have hope. You know, it's kind of a ugh, you know, um, type of a thing. But, but hope does work. And hope actually is real. It's in Korea. It's in here. And it can be in our lives. In fact, a lot of times hope shines best when things are dark. When we are struggling with things, that's the time when, when hope oftentimes becomes a, a good, strong part of our lives, isn't it? I mean, isn't that, isn't that true? I, had a, I, had a, I have a doctor's checkup coming up, so I had to get some lab work done. You know, they do the, the stuff, and so I have to take blood and other stuff, you know, from you and all that kind of stuff. And, and so, like you, you know, I had to go over and give it, and like you, I had to go to the, I have to fast 12 hours before, you know, there's nothing you can, you can, you can do. And so, it's my day off, and I haven't eaten for 12 hours, I get up really early so I can just get this thing over with and get it done. So I'm driving over the hill, and, and, and so I get there, I get, I get to the lab, and I'm already, my sleeve's all rolled up, I'm ready, you know, stick me, just stick me, and let's get going, and I want to go home, because I'm Getting a little hungry here and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, so I'm, I'm not in a great mood. And, and obviously the lady behind the counter was not in a great mood. And, and I said, okay, I'm here to get my blood drawn. And she, you know, she said, okay, what's your date of birth? You know, I gave her my date of birth, you know, 1989, you know, when I was born. So um, <laughs> what's your name? And she said, we don't have your paperwork here. And it's like, well, that's okay, you know, just draw my blood. And she said, no, 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 without the paperwork, we can't draw your blood. I said, well, well, can't you just draw my blood and hold it until you get the paperwork? And she said, can't do it. I said, well, how about if you just draw my blood and let me hold it until I get the paperwork? And she said, no, you can't do that at all. She said, you have to call your doctor and get him to do the paperwork, and your doctor's office doesn't open until 10. And I'm thinking it's 7 in the morning, you know, I'm not going right here. So, so, so I get in my car, I drive back over the hill, you know, I'm coming back down 92, you know, and I see my wife, she's driving to work the other way, and she's just all, hi, you know, hi, good to see you, you know. I'm thinking, ah, you know. And I thought, wow, you know, I just spent an hour and a half of my life on the road in the doctor's office waiting in line for what? You know, for what? Um, um, what's, the, what's the good in this? What's the point in all of that? And the hope is this. My God, this was not a surprise to him. This did not catch God off guard. This did not make God say, uh-oh, what, what happened here? God knew this. This did not catch God by surprise by any means. And this is where hope can begin to reveal itself. Not when things are always going great. Hope reveals itself well. Oftentimes when things are not going good at all. We've said that hope is not a wish. Hope is not just simply a wish. And sometimes we use it that term, you know, I hope I win the super lottery. You know, yeah, dream on on that one. You know, you're not going to. Um, 
Hope is this. It's the assurance that God is in charge of life and in charge of my life. And no matter what happens, good or bad, I will be okay, whether they draw my blood or whether they don't, whether I have to take a useless trip over the hill or not. God's got this thing, and God's got my life, and I will survive this, and I will make it through. God is just as in charge of my life as I'm driving back to Half Moon Bay with just as much blood as I came with, okay? And it's not solution-based, there, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, because sometimes there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel. There's really not. The hope is, is that in this tunnel that I'm going through, because I can't see any light, God's right here with me, you know? Even though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? God's with me. That's hope. That's the hope. The hope is, is there. And, and as a result, it, it gives... It gives us trust, and it gives us peace. And again, blood pressure can soar through the roof when you just have wasted an hour and a half of your life for nothing, unless you know that this did not catch God off guard. And see, this is where hope begins to make its work. And we are to be filled with hope. I love this verse. It says, hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Period. Amen. We could almost be done with that verse right there. Isn't that awesome? I mean, isn't that great? Hope will not lead to disappointment. We know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And we're not to, to not just simply have it in us. Once, once we are filled with that hope, then God calls us to, well, we would say, unleash it. Let it out. Let it go out of our lives. Let, let, let hope flow from us. Jesus would say, you're the light of the world. I mean this, and, and it's emphatically you. He says, you, you alone, of all people, of all these people in the world, famous people, really popular people, you know, really good looking people, which you are, by the way, which are, you know, all these people in the world, you're the light of the world. Those that are my followers, you and you alone. And he would say, you don't take a light and put a bucket over it. No one does that. You're to let it, you're to let it shine. And so we have to let that hope begin to spill out. And we've talked about that. We've talked about it, how to let that hope be pushed out to our families, and we've talked about it, how to be pushed out into our marriages. And today I want to talk a little bit about how to unleash hope or how to let hope get out into your world. How do you let it go out into your world? Now, I intentionally said your world um, instead of our world um, because your world is, I would say your world, Okay, your world is your world. Now, it's not like it's, and yours is different than mine, and it's not like we live in parallel universes, although I've met people that seem to live in a parallel universe. It's not like we, we really, really, really do. When I talk about your world, I would mean your life, you. Your combination of the place you work, the people you know, your neighborhood, the person next door, your friends, your family, the kid that sits next to you in class in third period, the kid that sits next to you in class in fourth period, kid that's on your team. That would become your world, my neighborhood, friends, and family. And, and your world may overlap with my world a little bit, but sometimes it may not overlap really much at all. You have your world, and I have my world, and God has called you to impact your world just as he's called me to impact mine. And your combination of who you are in that place makes you uniquely designed 
to be God's person in your world, to unleash that hope that's there. And the same for me. God has placed us to make a difference in our world, in your world, you and your world, and me and mine. Does it make sense? And, and, and you hang out with people that I'll never know. You have a world, and I have a world, and we are called to unleash hope. Three ways that we can do that, okay? Three ways. If you want to write some stuff down, here you go. First of all, own God's purpose and mission for your life. I have to own, own God's mission and purpose for my life. And the key word is own it. Um, the Bible says this. I press on, take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And when we say own it, it means make it mine. The guy that's writing this is saying, I'm going to press on. I'm going to grab that for which Jesus grabbed me. I'm going to own it for me and for my life. Uh, when I was working, I, um, I, was, I, was, I was working with kids in, in, in Southern California, and I moved to South Florida to work with kids there in a youth ministry there. And the church in Southern California was, was very large, and the kids that I had worked with, I had actually worked with for several years when they were children, younger, and they had grown up, and now they were in high school and, and even in college, and I, and I worked with them there. And so these kids had pretty well been, what I would just use the term, discipled or kind of understood and grasped the concepts of living for God and what it would cost and what it would mean and what it would look like. South Florida was a small church, and it was the youth ministry was very, very different and, and not particularly well maintained as much. And so well, um, what I did was, was I wanted to get in the first few weeks that I was there, I wanted to get to know some of the kids in the youth group and just to kind of find out about who they were and all that kind of stuff. And, and so, so um, if you've ever been to South Florida, they have these canals that are kind of running here and there and crisscross all around places. Lots, a lot of water in South Florida, you know, the whole thing. And so, so um, t- we took a little boat and we went down one of the canals to fish or to catch whatever they have in the canals in South Florida. Okay, and there's a lot of stuff that's in there that's kind of weird. But anyway, we were going down there. And, and, and so um, um, I, I, I just tried to start some conversation with these kids, you know. And, and so, I, so I asked them, some of the guys that I was with, I said, so, you know, where do you think God wants to take your life, you know? Where do you think God wants to take your life? Um, what do you want to do with your, your life? The first kid answered this flat out, straight out, right away. He said, I want to make a lot of money so I can have nice things. You know? Oh, okay. And got it. I got that. So, so I said, oh, I'm so much the other kid. I asked him, I said, how about you? He said, I want to make a lot of money so I can have nicer things than him. Okay? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm realizing my world, I'm in a whole different world. But I also thought, where's the hope in that? I mean, what kind of life is that? You know? What's your life mission? What's your purpose in life? What is that of Christ that you own to say, this is now my purpose in life? What is your purpose in life? If you could write it out in a sentence, what would it be? I mean, mine is, is pretty simple to get to heaven through Jesus Christ and take as many people as I can with me, okay? It's, it's, not, it's not hard because that's what Jesus said to do, go into all the world, make disciples. You know, there you go, take as many people as you can with you. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, the most important thing in my life is that I complete my mission. Here it is. The work that the Lord Jesus gave to do to tell people the good news about God's grace. He owns it. I own it. And if I own it, then I know what I'm about. Great story I, re- I read uh, this week. Um, you ever heard of Penn and Teller? 
Penn and Teller, a famous um, magician group. One guy's real tall, one guy's real small. One guy talks a lot, the other guy doesn't talk at all. And, and um, they have magic acts and, and quite celebrity. And, and Penn Gillette, he's the tall one, the one that talks. Penn Gillette is his name. He's also an activist, and he's also an active and very vocal atheist. Very vocal atheist. And he wrote a book called God, you know, no, with an exclamation point. You know, God, no. That's uh, Penn Gillette. Anyway, back in 2009, about a decade ago, he was approached and engaged in a discussion by a businessman, by, by a guy that just met him on the street. And this businessman presented Penn with a Bible and told him that salvation comes through faith in Christ. This businessman, this guy, owned the message. He, you understand, he owned it. It's like, it's my job. I, this is what I do. Not, not my job, but this is my mission in life. Now, Penn didn't accept the invitation to become a Christ follower. He didn't. But Penn's response to the encounter was remarkable. He said that the businessman was, I quote, really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me, and then he gave me this Bible. He went on to say this, famous atheist, went on to say this. I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. He said, if you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, how can you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward? Penn asked this, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Yeah, incredible. It's like, holy cow. How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? And honestly, the purpose of this life is to get to the next life. You know that? The purpose of this life is not this life. The purpose of this life is to find the way to the next life, the real life. I tell people all the time, this is just the lobby. The real show's on the inside. This is just the beginning. And my goal in life is to get as many people as I can from the lobby into the real show. That's why we are here. That's why we're here. So a few years ago, I was picking up, up at the high school, I was picking up my daughter, high school at the time, and the bell rang, you know, and the kids were coming out of class. And, 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 and usually, you know, and it happens if you're there, if you've ever been up to high school, waiting in the parking lot for your kid, you don't pay much attention to what's going on. You just, you're on your phone, you know, you're doing stuff, and, and, and you just wait until your kid you know, opens the car door and, and gets in, and then, you, and, then, and then you drive off. And I began to look, you know, with the whole idea of mission and purpose in mind, you know, I just began to look, and, and you know, out, out the door, watch this kid, and I just thought, that kid with a hoodie and the baggy jeans, does he know how much he's loved by God? Does he know that? Does he even have a chance to know that, you know? Does he know and does he feel the love of God every day? Does he have hope in life? Does he know that? And that other kid who's also wearing a hoodie and baggy jeans, because they all did, God created him unique, and there's hope for him in knowing God. And he has a great place in this world. Does he know that? 
Does he have a chance to know that? And am I doing what I can to make sure that he can? Because that's the reason we are called here, to own that. Jesus said this, peace be with you, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And another version, I love it, it says, so send I you. So owns God's purpose and mission for your life. Own it. We have to own it. We have to own that thing. And that begins to make us then people who are able to unleash hope. Next is expect to be part of God's plan for today. We have to expect it. Expect the expectation. And you can cross off today and say right now. You know, right now. Lewis Smedes wrote this. He said, every square on the calendar is a frame for one episode in my life. I love that. Every square on the calendar is a frame for one episode of my life. You know, if you watch... TV, they always have episodes where lots of things are really contained in this one little episode. Every square in your life, every day, is one episode in your life. This day, this moment. And you are the only one that can touch your world your way. No one else. Nobody else in existence, in created history, can ever touch your world the way you can. Your wife, your husband, your kids, your family, your friends, your neighbor. Nobody else. Nobody else can do that. No one else ever that's ever been born can do that. And I guess if you don't expect God to do much through you, well, then that's about what he'll do. You know, that's about what he'll do. Ray Lynn, um, um, she did a song called God Made Girls. Um, If you admit to hearing the song, it means you've listened to country music, and sometimes I do. Okay, I do. Here we go. There we go. Okay, good. Good for you. It's a fun song. It's a fun song. It's a good song. And if you listen to it a few times, you can't get it out of your head, but that's okay. And he's talking about how God made girls in relation to guys and what girls are for, you know, all this kind of stuff, and it's really a good song. But one of the lyrics is this, you know, as far as God made girls as someone who can wake him up and call his bluff and drag his but to church, okay? And it's kind of a fun song. That's why, you know. And, and, and it's a funny song. It's a funny part of the song. And if I have to get my wife to drag my rear end here, then I'm probably not expecting much. You, you know what I'm saying? You know, if somebody has to drag me here, I'm probably not expecting much, you know? And, and, and so it's great to ask the question, what am I expecting God to do through me today? Or just even, what was I expecting God to do in me when I came in here today, you know, what was I expecting God to do in me today? Because I, 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 I assume if I was expecting God to do not much, maybe just to hopefully like some of the songs they sing, and maybe they're new or different or my favorites, then maybe that's about all I've got. If I was expecting to encounter the living God of the universe, expecting to encounter the living God who put stars and clouds and cosmos in place. That's what you got. Isn't that that awesome how God has said, may be done to you according to your faith? So what am I expecting God to do through me today in my life and my world? When you get home, what are you expecting God to do through you? Are you expecting you to be a channel and a blessing of hope to people around you? You know? Are you expecting to be able to be able to go home and say, I'm I'm here. I'm here. And my hope is, my expectation is, is that people in my family are going to be so encouraged and so blessed by me as I serve them, as I use everything I've got for them. I'm expecting God to work with me in a a great way. Third way to unleash hope in your world is make things happen that wouldn't have existed without me. 
make things happen that would not have existed with, without me. Um, make, make, make them happen. So in the Bible book of Matthew chapter 25, Jesus, um, he tells a story, and, and I won't go into the whole thing. You should read it for yourself and in your life groups. I'm going to have you do that if you, if you want to follow that little outline at the back of your, of your insert. But a business guy goes on a trip. He's going to go away for a while, and he, and, he, and he pulls together three of his money managers, and he said, okay, I'm going to be gone for a little while, and uh, um, um, we need to get some investment stuff going. And so he gives, um, he gives the first guy um, 50000 and he says, okay, I want you to invest with this one, play around with it a little bit, and see what you can do. See what you can do with this money. So he gives him fifty grand and says, you go for it. Another guy, you know, he says, okay, you're getting $20,000. Um, play with it. Throw it in stocks. Do whatever you need to do. Um, um, make it work for us. And so he goes off to do that. And the last guy, he gives him ten grand, and his expectation is for them to make it work, okay, just to make it work. Okay, I'm giving you this stuff to make it work. And the business guy goes, he's gone for a while, and he comes back and he meets each of these guys. And if you've read the story, you know, you know the ending. The first guy made something happen. He made it happen. He invested the money, he worked it. He worked it, worked it, worked it, and doubled it. Came back, 100 grand. Second guy made something happen. He worked it, worked it, worked it, and doubled it. And the third guy, different story entirely, okay? Um, he made nothing happen. He, in fact, Jesus would say he buried it, or today we'd say they just sat on it. Um, zero, nada, nothing. He made no difference in his world. Nothing. And it's a pointed story. I mean, we get it. We get it. We get it right away, you know? It's like, oh, you know, okay, you know, I got it, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. And we usually focus on that last guy and get depressed and feel like I really got to start moving my, my rear end, you know, in, in what I'm doing for God. And, and, you know, his life was no runs, no hits, no errors, and that kind of stuff, and we just didn't even get into the game. Focus on the other guys, though, for a second, okay? The guy that had 50,000 made it 100,000. The guy that had 20 made it 40. I mean, just you know, made it really happen. It wouldn't have happened without them. And, and a point is this, is God has given you and I opportunity, gifting and skills in a world, and a world, our world, your world, to make things happen that would not have existed and won't happen without you. They just won't happen without us. So I'm reading about this guy um, who was a car mechanic, and he noticed that single moms in his church were kind of in a bind with car repairs, and they, they didn't know what to do because they were afraid they'd get ripped off. You know, if I take the car in to get fixed, they're going to rip me off. I, I, and it's a little hesitant and, and nervous about that. And so what he said is he just put a little notice up, and he said, if you're a single mom and need an oil change or something, come by the church next Saturday. And he got a few of his mechanic buddies to, to be at the church, and, and, and they knew how to change oil filters and, and all that kind of stuff. And to help these single moms. And, 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 and so they did, and on Saturday they were there and they realized that the cars were lined outside the parking lot down the street, you know. It's like, holy cow. And they got requested to do it again, and they did, and again and again and again, and soon a whole cars ministry happened in this church. whole cars ministry happened in this work. Simply because somebody decided to make something happen that would not have happened without him. Don't we love stories like this? Don't we just love stories like this? You know what's better than hearing a story like this? Being a story like this. Seeing those issues and those needs that are out there and doing something about it. Saying, I'm going to make this happen because if I don't do it, this is my world and if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. And so we could say, I could say confidently, I mean, only you 
Only you have your world. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not in your world. You have your world. And in your world, God has given you these gifts and these passions and these skills and these interests. And he says, okay, there you go. There's your, there's your, there's your 50,000. There you are. Make it happen. Make it happen. Let's go. And when you do that in faith and expectation, stand back and be amazed. You have your world, I have my world. God said, go on that world, make a difference. Really, and unleash hope. Unleash hope in your life, in your, in your world. And this, this is a world, it, it's a world that it just beats people up so much. So go and be light to the world and unleash hope you know, in this. Jesus said this famous, famous passage. And, and take this to heart and let this move you to where you need to go. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison, you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Stranger and show you hospitality or naked, give you clothing. When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. So we are called to bring hope and to unleash it into our world. You are, I am. You have your world, I have mine. Let's do that. Let's do that. Unleash hope. Give somebody today hope. Hope. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up right now. Um, One of the things that um, we do as a church is, um, and again, I believe helping people understand and know God happens really well when a human being like you that loves another person tells them the message of Jesus Christ. Okay? Okay. I understand that that's one of the critical ways to do that. So you develop the relationships and the loving. You just share naturally, and you have friends and all that. Also, we understand, though, that um, sometimes people just say, I'm going to equate God with with a church, you know. And we understand that. We get that. And so... Len, Pastor Len mentioned Easter's coming, and that is a great way to help begin the conversation for people, to help them understand and I'm going to turn your attention to the screens. We're just going to watch a short video that kind of will encourage you to help understand what's at stake in helping people find hope in a place even like this.